Society, a podcast that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I am Andrew Reich, the creator and co-host of Dead Pilot Society. We have a show this Saturday afternoon. That's this Saturday, December 7th at the Hollywood Improv, and there are tickets still available. Now, you would know this if you followed us on social media. Do you do that? Uh, please do. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram and Facebook at Dead Pilot Society. Also, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever uh, you're listening to this. All right, I'm going to stop plugging the podcast and go back to plugging the live show for the podcast because it's really going to be a good one. We uh, just two pilots this time, both fantastic. We've got a raunchy, hilarious script about sports trainers called Training Room by Bridge Munoz Leibowitz, who has written on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and People of Earth, and also an absolutely ingenious vampire comedy called Eternally Yours by Joe Port and Joe Wiseman. Uh, The Joes have written on a ton of shows, including The New Girl and The Odd Couple. Uh, We've got a killer cast, as always. Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Matt Walsh from Veep, Vela Lavelle from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Ed Weeks from The Mindy Project, Asif Ali from Wrecked, David Fumero from Power, Brigitte Heelan from Undateable, Brendan Scannell from Heathers, and, and there's more than that. Uh, so, oh, Tony Cavallero from Righteous Gemstones, I mean, on and on. Go to TicketWeb, search Dead Pilot Society, get your tickets. The doors are at 4, shows at 4.30. It is 18 and over for this show. All right, we haven't had a lot of rock and roll comedies on the podcast. Uh, we had Frontman back at episode 15. You should listen to that one if you haven't. Um, we've got a great one for you this time. It's called Whatever Happened to Gigi's Pants? It's by Gabrielle Allen and Jennifer Crittenden. Between them, Jen and Gabby have written on pretty much everything. Uh, Seinfeld, Simpsons, Scrubs, Arrested Development, Everybody Loves Raymond, Veep. i stop... Before I get too jealous of their resumes, but they are two of the smartest, nicest, funniest writers I know, and I had a great time talking to them. You should definitely stick around for the interview after the pilot reading. I always love hearing people's nightmare stories about bad meetings, and these guys have some doozies. Uh, Our cast, Mary McCormick from In Plain Sight and The Kids Are All Right as Dee Dee, Michaela Watkins from Casual and Transparent as Cat. Felicia Day from Supernatural as Ariel. Casey Wilson from Happy Endings as Sharon. Nat Faxon from Friends from College as Mitch. Mark Feuerstein from Royal Pains as Greg. Nick Payne from AP Bio as Alan. Nicole Bloom from Superstore as Dr. Judy Lee and some other parts. And Daniel David Stewart from Catch-22 as Jake, as well as some other parts. Just a great cast. Um... Quick caveat, this episode, like the previous two, 
It's recorded at the Writers Guild Foundation. It's our first time doing a show there. And if you've listened to the last two episodes, you might have noticed that the sound was not exactly as good as we would have liked. It's not terrible. As God knows, in the early days of this podcast, we had much worse. Um, it's not perfect. I think uh, it's not that much a problem. Just wanted to, to just say, please bear with it. It's worth it to hear this great cast of women play a 90s rock band reuniting in an epically messy fashion. So here's Whatever Happened to Gigi's Pants, followed by my interview with Jen and Gabby after a brief message. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. This is... Whatever Happened to Gigi's Pants, the pilot, <laughs> written by Gabrielle Allen and Jennifer Crittenden. Woo! Come on. Come on. It's the cold open. There's a Chiron Sex Burn video, 1992. We open on the classic video of the hit song Sex Burn by Gigi's Pants. The band consists of four girls who are sexy, angry, a little punk rock, and cool as hell. Didi, the bassist, wears overalls with a bandeau top and pigtails. Cat, the lead singer, is in track pants and a sexy sports bra with perfect abs and platinum hair. Ariel plays lead guitar and vocals, and she's in a frilly long skirt with combat boots and a biker jacket. And Sharon, at her trademark standing drums so she can dance while she plays, sports short cut-off jeans, baby t-shirts, spike heels, and an imaginative hat. (laughs) The video is concert footage of them mixed in with scenes of the girls dressed as sexy construction workers who whistle and gesture lasciviously at the hot men who walk by. Title card, whatever happened to... As the music crescendos, Gigi's pants slams into place on the title card. We're interior a Honda Odyssey. The Chiron says 2019. Dee Dee, in her early 40s, with a practical haircut and a button-down shirt, drives three giant teenage boys to a soccer game. Chiron, Diane, Dee Dee, Lindelof, bass. The boys yell as they shove their athletic cups in each other's faces. <laughs> Amidst all this chaos is Mitch Kepler. A film nerd in a baseball cap who sits in the back interviewing Dee Dee. His cameraman films it all from the passenger seat. Okay, so, right, Bobby. Boys, can you keep it down? Bobby died. (laughs) And instead of a funeral, his son is throwing a concert to benefit his favorite charity, the prevention of trafficking exotic animals. Boys, please, do I have to pull over? (laughs) Jake Bonner's 12 takes Mitch in. What's this for anyway, MTV? Uh, much music. What's that? It's like the Canadian MTV. Lame. <laughs> and um, Gigi's Pants is going to perform at the benefit? Yep, uh, along with all the other bands Bobby managed. Well, it's been a long time since Gigi's Pants has performed together. 20 years. And is that the last time you saw each other? And we're interior Buzz Coffee Shop. Ariel in her early 40s is dressed like Stevie Nicks, frail like Joni Mitchell, and humbly thinks she's got more talent than both of them put together. <laughs> she's behind the counter making a latte while she chats with Mitch. Chiron, Ariel Lindelof, guitar. Well, I've seen my sister because I'm living in her guest house, but we haven't seen Kat or Char since the band broke up. 
And is there still bad blood? Not for me. There was a time when I was a slave to my anger, but I've tamed that beast. Now I just take deep breaths and focus on what's in front of me. She hands a customer a latte. Namaste. (laughs) And we're back in the Honda Odyssey. So uh, how do you think it's going to go tonight? I mean, if Kat and Ariel don't kill each other. And we go to a dermatologist's office. Kat, in her early 40s, still completely glamorous, lies in a chair, getting Botox injections from her dermatologist, Dr. Judy Lee. Chiron, Kat Jones, lead vocals and woodblocks. <laughs> great. It's going to be so great. And you're, uh, you're not nervous? Oh, I've been performing solo since the band broke up. No, I, I mean about seeing everyone again. No, I'm excited to see the girls. <laughs> I'm going to leave two small lines here for authenticity. Oh, that's why you're my BFF. Back in the Odyssey. And if Sharon actually shows up. And we go to Sharon's crappy apartment. Sharon, in her early 40s, is still squeezed into the same tight shirts and short skirts from the 90s. Her home dye jobs have made her hair a unique mix of blonde, brown, red, and a little blue. She drinks a beer and tries to fix a chair with duct tape. Chiron, Sharon, drums. Bobby, our manager. (laughs) I knew I hadn't heard the last of him. He's dead. Oh. (laughs) Well, that's that's good, because I was just about ready to fire him. Can I ask you something? Is it 7 a.m. or 7 (laughs) p.m.? And we fade out. We're in Act 1 at Dee Dee's house in the kitchen the next morning. Dee Dee goes through the motions of making her 4,000th breakfast as Jake and Dylan, quiet for once, stand staring out the window to the backyard. Hudson, 16, walks in. I need some money for new sneakers. Why don't I pick you up from school? We'll go get them together. (sighs) That's okay. I'll just take the money. Hudson joins his brothers. Greg Bonners in his 40s, Dee Dee's husband, enters, whacking them on their heads and hurting them away from the window. Okay, go on, get out of here! They move away from the window and immediately start beating the crap out of each other. (laughs) Honey, I don't care what she does in our guest house, but if she's going to walk around nude, she's got to close those drapes. They're boys. She's their aunt. She's a naked woman, Diane. (laughs) The camera tries to get a shot of Ariel through the window. And people are going to see this. No, they're not. It's for Canada. How much longer is Ariel going to be living in the guest house you promised I could turn into an old-timey saloon? (laughs) Just until she gets on her feet. She's never going to get on her feet as long as you keep babying her. Are you going to be able to take Dylan to the basketball game tonight? Why? What are you doing? Bobby's benefit. I thought you didn't want to do that. I don't. I only said yes because I thought Ariel would say no, but she actually wants to do it, so now I have to. Maybe it'll be fun. Won't be fun. It's only one night, and I'm doing it for Bobby. I just, I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to make 100 cupcakes for the bake sale. Just buy them. I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Only working moms get away with that shit. If I show up with store-bought cupcakes, it's over for me at that school. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Ariel isn't worried about seeing Kat again? Ariel enters from the backyard in a gauzy, low-cut tunic. Not at all. In Tibet, I really learned to let it go. Let go of anger, ego, materialism. She foams milk at their fancy cappuccino maker. Hey, you might need to get this fixed. The milk doesn't get as hot as it should. Greg Um, rolls his eyes. Also, if you're doing laundry, can you wash this? I want to wear it tonight. She takes her tunic off and now totally nude tosses it to Dee Dee. Fire drill boys outside everyone outside now <laughs> In Dee Dee's house in Dee Dee's kitchen later, she's cleaning up the breakfast mess everyone left behind. It's not that I don't want to do this benefit, it's just a performer isn't really who I am anymore. Did you ever miss it? 
I thought I would, but being the mom of three boys, I kind of felt like a rock star every day. And we flash back to Dee Dee's house 10 years ago. Home video footage of Dee Dee entering the front door. Her three boys, aged six, four, and two, instantly abandon their Monopoly game and run to greet her. They look like tiny groupies as they jump up and down, screaming, Mama! We go back to the present. Dee Dee scrapes plates into the sink. I've been blessed. She turns on the garbage disposal. It makes a grinding noise. She turns it off and fishes out a mangled retainer. <laughs> we go to Sharon's crappy apartment. She's getting dressed. She's gathering the back of her shirt to see how it would look tighter. She likes it and uses a stapler to make the alteration. Uh, so it's, it's been a while since you performed. You've been kind of keeping a low profile. Oh, well, you know, there's this rat that I've been trying to catch. So I, I've been pretty busy with that. <laughs> The camera pans to several large rat traps strategically placed around the apartment. Okay, for for 20 years? Yeah, I call him Moby Dick, like the Zeppelin song. (laughs) Not the novel. The novel. (laughs) And we go to Cat's Malibu compound, the bathroom vanity area. Cat is being fussed over by two hair and makeup people, Miguel and Jeremy. Glamour shots of her line the walls. Well, aside from the recording six platinum records, winning two Grammys, and going on five world tours, there's have there have been a number of endorsements and walkathons. And right now, oh, I am working on something pretty exciting with Whole Foods. My own line of milk. <laughs> Plus, you, you've been married quite a few times. The yeah. camera pans to reveal a middle-aged man in a suit sitting on a chaise reading a magazine. Oh, that's not my husband. That's Dr. Schnittman. He comes with me to all my performances to make sure that I don't get dehydrated, and he gives me B12 shot before I go on stage. Antonio's away on business. Uh, Antonio's husband number four. Okay, so yeah. so Ben was number three. Yes. And have you and Ariel ever discussed what happened with Ben? There's nothing to discuss. It's ancient history. Doctor Schnippman presents her with a bottle of water and a bendy straw. Cat obediently takes a sip. We go to Dee Dee's Honda Odyssey. She drives with Ariel up front. Dee Dee uses the mirrors to do her makeup, and Ariel does some weird breathing exercises. Mitch and the cameraman are in the back. Well, pretty much the only place I've performed since Gigi's pants broke up is right here in this van. Not me. I have a responsibility to share my gift. When our band broke up, I joined another one right away. And we flash back to Universal Amphitheater in 1996. Ariel, wearing a yellow bodysuit, plays the ukulele and sings earnest folk music along with three other women, also in brightly colored bodysuits. A banner behind them reads, The Giggles, and a giant potted daisy dances with them. (laughs) Water me with love, water me with smiles. The daisy passes behind Ariel, accidentally bumping her. Okay, that's it. That's it. I cannot perform with this daisy anymore. You know what it feels like to be constantly bumped into? It feels like this, and this, and this! Ariel begins smashing her ukulele against the pot. Children get upset. A giant bluebird runs in and breaks up the fight, carrying a kicking and screaming Ariel off stage. I'll rip your fucking tits off! <laughs> that experience, and we go back to the present. That experience really helped me see how dependent I was on sugar. <laughs> And a Chiron says, Roxy Green Room. We're in a dingy room at the Roxy that hasn't changed in 30 years. Mitch faces Dee Dee and Ariel, who settle into the filthy couch. I was always too prompt to be a real rock star. Cat enters, looking elegantly rock and roll. There she is, Cat! There's a moment as Ariel stands face to face with Cat for the first time in 20 years. Hello, hello. Sorry I'm late. She hugs them both as if it's no big deal. 
It's good to see you, Kat. It's good to see you, too. I can't believe how long it's been. Kat, you look great. You look... Oh, it's so good to see you. <laughs> Where's Sharon? Anyone know if she's still alive? Sharon enters sweaty and in a teeny tiny miniskirt, carrying her bicycle on her shoulder. Oh, she's alive already, <laughs> but her B.O. might kill the rest of you. Woo, that last hill was a bitch. I'll just grab a horse bath. I'll be fresh as the daisy. Oh, no offense. Sorry, out. <laughs> You're here. They go to hug her, but she wasn't kidding about the B.O. Sharon, how are you? I am great. Can I keep my bike in here? Lost my lock. You don't have a car? Of course I have a car. I just don't have a license. She notices the filthy couch. Hey, that's my stain! <laughs> Alan Gans, clean cut in his early 20s, enters. Gigi's pants, this is incredible. I'm Alan, Bobby's son. It is so great to meet you, ladies. Legends. <laughs> Last time we saw you, you had shit in your pants. Well, I was, I was baby, so. <laughs> we were really sorry to hear about your dad. He's still with us, you know. I feel him. So, you're Ariel, and you are obviously Sharon. You must be Dee Dee because you are the one and only Cat Jones. Thank you so much for asking us to be a part of this tribute. Your father was such a generous and decent man. We made that stain over there. <laughs> well, we're honored you guys could come tonight. I only wish my dad were here to see your reunion. He's here. You gotta stop saying it. It makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> Ready for sound check? And we're backstage. The girls climb a few stairs towards the stage. Mitch follows, but is stopped by a large security guard. Yeah, listen, band only. Oh, uh, but I'm, I'm filming the show. You with MTV? No, much music. <laughs> and we're backstage. Mitch leads the camera down some narrow stairs underneath the stage. All right, fine. You know what? We're going to get this gorilla style. He battles a spider web and then stops and peers up through a crack in the floorboards. Perfect. He moves out of the way and the camera angles up through the crack, getting a dark and disorienting angle of the band's performance. The view is mostly feet and electrical cords. In the Roxy Green Room later, we can hear the applause as the women burst in, still high from their performance. Dee Dee is particularly energized. She's a sweaty rock and roll mess. Something happened to her on that stage and it was transformative. Did you hear that? They loved us. They fucking loved us. Of course, we were amazing. Wait, wait. Where's my bra? You threw it at Steven Spielberg, don't you remember? <laughs> no, I was totally out of my body. They hug and celebrate. That was quite a performance, and I got it all. Why do you have spider webs in your hair? Hmm? <laughs> and we go to Dee Dee's bedroom later. Greg is fast asleep. Dee Dee tiptoes in and notices a note on her pillow. It reads, hope it went well. Wake me if you want to have sex. <laughs> Dee Dee smiles and nudges him awake. I'm waking you. What? Oh, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I stayed up late watching The Handmaid's Tale, and now, you know, I'm just too tired. To masturbate to The Handmaid's Tale. You know I like dystopian subjugation. <laughs> and we're at the Gans family home the next day. It's a palatial home in the Hollywood Hills that was no doubt featured in a 1970s issue of Architectural Digest. Thanks for coming, girl. Ladies. Yeah. Dee Dee, Ariel, Kat, and Sharon sit on the leather couches while Alan pops champagne and hands out glasses to each of them. Oh, none for me. Okay, just a little. A little more than that. Okay, now, before I make a toast... Sharon's glass is empty. Oh, we're toasting. I need a little bit, little bit more. <laughs> well, last night was a triumph. 
Not only for exotic animals, but for Gigi's pants. My phone is ringing off the hook. They're hashtagging the crap out of you on Twitter. The public has spoken, and they want their pants back. What does that mean? <laughs> that means world tours, albums, the works. Let's use this champagne to toast the reunion of Gigi's pants. Sharon holds out her empty glass. Ooh, we're toasting again. <laughs> Let me finish what my dad started. What do you say, girl? Ladies, can you put the past behind you and toast to the future? I'm in. Uh, me too. To Gigi's pants. I'm going to need a little more. And we fade mm-hmm. out. We're in Act 2, the Gans family home, the backyard. The women sit by the 1970s era waterfall as Mitch interviews. So, Gigi's pants, back together, huh? No, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it just feels right. I think everyone's really grown up. Sharon, in a tiny skirt, cuts a toenail, revealing her underwear. We were too young to handle the success, but now that we're mature, it would really be great to get some success to go with that maturity. (laughs) Yeah, the music business has changed, and Alan really understands the new landscape. Downloading and... That's all she's got. (laughs) So, uh... So what's next? Are you are you going right into the studio? Yes, but we have a couple of things to take care of first. And we're in a Beverly Hills salon. Extreme close-up on Dee Dee's face as a hand applies wax to her upper lip. Guys, I really don't think this is necessary. <laughs> and the esthetician rips the wax off with a cotton strip and shows Dee Dee the hair she's just removed. Oh my God. How long has that been there? <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, uh, yes, this was good. I mean, I really appreciate that you risked hurting my feelings to tell me I had a mustache, and in that same spirit, I'm going to tell you to go easy on the Botox. You're starting to look like a dinner plate. (laughs) I don't do bo... Fucking Judy. (laughs) Uh, What what are we going to rip off me? Nothing, but... Jeremy! Cat flags down one of her hairdressers. Can you help Sharon pick one color for her hair, preferably not blue? As Jeremy whisks Sharon away, Kat takes a long look at Ariel. Miguel! Her other hairdresser arrives. She indicates Ariel's hair. We need a serious trim here. It should not go below her bra strap. I don't wear a bra. That's our next stop. (laughs) She turns to Dee Dee. Now, you and I are going to give those jeans to a high-waisted homeless giant and get you some shoes without rubber soles. Kat links arms with Dee Dee, leading her away. I'm thinking thigh-high booties. You think I can pull those off? You absolutely can. You're Dee Dee Lindelof on base. Ariel watches them bond, fuming. We're in Dee Dee's house, an interview with Greg. So how is the band getting back together going to affect you guys? If Diane's happy, we're happy. You guys seem to depend on her a lot. Look, based on what she's told me about the backstabbing and betrayal, I don't think it's going to last. So best play for me, be supportive and say what she wants to hear. (laughs) Plus, she initiated sex the other night, so this seems like something I should probably see through. We go to Kat's Malibu compound. Kat leads Mitch through her completely empty living room. Ignore the mess. We're remodeling while Antonio is away. Mitch follows her into the recording studio. Platinum and gold records line the walls. It's Kat o'clock. Aphrodite's lament. Shame on me, and songs my teacher taught me. Gigi's pants never recorded here, so having the girls here is pretty exciting. But I don't want to look like I'm rubbing my success in their face, so I hid the mini fridge. 
She goes, <laughs> she goes to a glass case and pulls out a velvet box. Inside are two wooden blocks, the only instrument she plays. And here they are. She clacks the blocks together. Rock and roll. And we go to Sharon's apartment. Sharon, with her newly highlighted blonde hair, wakes up next to a barely legal teenage boy. <laughs> He's playing Geometry Dash. Joe, you gotta go. Uh, my name is Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> there's, wait, there's, but there's no Jonas brother named Nathan. Uh, I am not a Jonas brother. But I thought I fucked a Jonas brother. No, you fucked a guy with a brother named Jonas. (laughs) (laughs) Then why am I saving this used condom? Get the hell out of here. And the boy runs out. I've had enough of Wednesday. I'm going back to bed. (laughs) And Mitch says, Thursday. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) <laughs> and we go to Cat's recording studio. Dee Dee with a slightly more rock and roll look and Ariel with a shoulder length shag cut unpack their instruments. Cat sneaks a Diet Coke out of the poorly hidden mini fridge. So while we're waiting for Sharon, why don't we play Ariel the stuff we wrote yesterday? You guys wrote something? When? Where was I? Cat stopped by. You were at work. We just started playing around and. Great, great. Can't wait to hear it. We're in Ariel's tiny living room in an interview with Ariel. Um, I was the songwriter for the band. Hello. Did you write Sex Burn? No, that one was actually written for us. We insert a photograph. A flamboyant woman in her 50s holding a Grammy and hugging Beyonce. The Chiron says, Carol Morgan, 26-time Grammy-winning songwriter. Oh, uh, love Me or Die? No. Broken Record? No. Matches for Minnie? And we cut to Cat being interviewed. <laughs> So Ariel wrote the songs that weren't hits back when you had to buy the whole album. She was able to live off the royalties. But now, I mean, no one's buying Teenage Heart Murmur on iTunes. And back at Ariel's. Teenage Heart Murmur was it was one of my favorites. Thank you, Mitch. She gives him a flirty smile. Mm-hmm. We go back to the President Katz recording studio. Ariel fumes as Dee Dee tunes her bass. Sharon races in. Sorry, so sorry, sorry, so sorry. It's Mitch's fault. Uh, as a documentarian, it's my prime directive to not get involved in the lives of my subjects. But you stole that from Star Trek. Is it <laughs> is it Mitch's fault you smell like marijuana? Yes. You didn't give me time to shower. Ariel unpacks some ancient Tibetan instruments and passes out some music. Okay, well, now that we're all here, I wrote some songs, too. You want me to play the singing bowls? There's not a song on the Tibetan charts that doesn't have a singing bowl. Well, I can do the bowls. They're not the kind of bowls you smoke. It, it's just that it's kind of a new sound. Why don't we play you the stuff from yesterday, and then we can... Oh, of course. I forgot the rules. Let's just do whatever Cat wants. I mean, that doesn't sound fair. What would you like to do, Cat? aside from mutilating Dee Dee's upper lip, saturating Sharon's scalp with chemicals, and completely disregarding my entire identity? How should we proceed? Ariel, I don't understand why you're so angry. And I don't understand why we're not discussing the fact that Kat slept with my husband. Jackpot! (laughs) Ariel, I am not going to keep apologizing for something that happened 20 years ago. You never apologized once. Honey, you're raging. Breathe. You slept with my husband, talked him into leaving me, and then married him in my own backyard, and, and, ask my sister to be your maid of honor. I won't be emotionally blackmailed into playing the singing bowls because you blame me for the failure of your marriage. 
A, haunt, a haunting tune emanates from somewhere. We reveal that Sharon is playing the singing bowls. These are fantastic. Your marriage didn't fail because of me. It failed because Ben is an ass. He left me for Kesha. Oh, oh, Kesha. Kesha is not the villain here. You are. This is, okay, this is not going to work. Ariel grabs her singing bowl from Sharon and storms off. She then stops and looks at Dee Dee. Are you coming? Dee Dee takes a beat, then... I'm coming. Dee Dee follows Ariel out. Sharon turns to Kat. I'm going to storm off, too, but I should really sober, sober up before I ride my bike. What kind of snacks do you have? <laughs> and we fade out. We're in Act 3 at Dee Dee's house that afternoon. Dee Dee enters through the front door, like in the earlier flashback. This time, the boys don't abandon what they're doing to greet her. I'm home. They don't even look up. Dee Dee trudges to the kitchen. In the kitchen moments later, Dee Dee starts dinner as Greg enters and gives her a hug. There you are. I'm sorry. I really thought it was going to work out. Are you disappointed? Yeah, but not surprised. No, I know. You were really excited to have something new to look forward to now that the boys are getting older. Yes. Exactly. Well, then you know what we need? What? A puppy. No, what? No. <laughs> Boys, bring him in. She said yes. <laughs> and we're exterior on the suburban street. Dee Dee holds a giant Great Dane on a leash while scooping up dog poop with a plastic bag. Jesus, how many crayons did you eat? <laughs> Her cell phone rings. Hi, Alan. <laughs> Guess who got you guys a gig this weekend? That's right, girl. Lady friend. Uh, thanks, Alan, but everything basically fell apart today. Gigi's pants is over. And we're interior Ariel's tiny living room. Ariel sadly plays the guitar for Mitch. I'll tell you what's going on here. My explosion aside, I mean, obviously, I can't even have a little bit of sugar. I know uh, it's just that, once again, Kat has everyone fooled. In Kat's Malibu compound, Kat sadly sits in her empty living room and dials the phone. Is Antonio there? We'll just tell him that Cat called again. In Sharon's crappy apartment, Sharon finds a gigantic dead white rat, rat in a trap. Moby? Uh. Moby? God, I'm so stupid. For some reason, I thought when he finally died, I'd be relieved. <laughs> and we're in Dee Dee's kitchen later. Dee Dee loads cupcakes into Tupperware as the boys run through and out the back door. Greg is close behind. We're going to Dylan's game. He gives her a kiss. Good luck. Greg leaves out the back door as we hear a doorbell. Dee Dee opens the door to... Cat? Behind Cat, the minivan pulls onto the street. Dee Dee waves, but her face falls as she sees her son's three bare asses pressed to the window. <laughs> we hear a honk. Come in. Dee Dee's living room. Cat sits across from Dee Dee. So I have a confession to make. Antonio isn't away on business. He left me, and he took everything. My money, my furniture, my childbearing years. I know my life looks so much better than everyone else's, but really it's just been one failed relationship after the other. And I'm scared. After my last divorce, I went into a really dark place. And we flash back to a Costco parking lot in 2005. It's TMZ footage of Cat wheeling a cart while eating a roast chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly the paparazzi come out of nowhere and start clicking away. Cat throws chicken at them. <laughs> come back to the present where Cat wipes away tears. And... Whole Foods, Whole Foods pulled out of the cat milk deal. <laughs> I don't care about the band. It's, I, I, it's just, it's been so nice to have my best friends back, and I've really missed you. Come here. Dee Dee and Cat hug. Do I smell cupcakes? 
In Dee Dee's kitchen, Dee Dee and Cat walk in to find a disaster area. Cupcakes and Tupperware have been pulled down from the counters, and the puppy is devouring them. No, 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 no! Who let Carlton out of the crate? Does anyone in this house ever listen to a goddamn thing I say? She tries to pick up the least oh, mauled ones. This is a disaster. I'm supposed to drop off 100 cupcakes tomorrow morning for Jake's bake sale. Can't you just buy them? Again, you cannot bring store-bought <laughs> cupcakes unless you're a working mother! <laughs> Gives a shit if you're working. If you're working. You are a fucking rock star. Was a rock star. Now I'm a stay-at-home mom who can't even get on the after-school fruit committee. <laughs> okay, well, then let's start baking. Ariel enters from the guest house. I heard yelling. What is she doing here? Cat looks up guiltily, having just shoved a partially eaten cupcake into her mouth. I... Not you. Her. We reveal Sharon looking into the kitchen window with streaky mascara and smeared makeup. They open the back door. What are you doing? I'm upset, and I didn't want to come in until I got myself together. What happened? If I talk about it, I'll break down. Moby died! <laughs> Ariel mouths to Dee Dee. Who is Moby? Dee Dee shrugs. I spent so much time figuring out how to get rid of him, but now that he's gone... I don't know who I am without it. Just just take a deep breath. Sharon blows an enormous wad of weepy snot into a tissue. He just wanted to be loved, and I rejected him because he lived in filth and carried diseases. <laughs> and I never realized how much we had in common. So, Moby was your boyfriend? He was a rat? They're all rats. <laughs> Guys, I don't think... I think this one was an actual rat. I can't go home to that empty apartment. Carlton comes over and drops a half-eaten cupcake in Sharon's lap. Oh, he's sharing with me. Sharon picks up the cupcake and eats it, then lets Carlton lick the icing off her face. Oh, I like you too. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. In the kitchen later, Dee Dee, Cat, Ariel, and Sharon sing as they bake. Finally, enjoying each other's company, Sharon belts out a punk version of... I want to love you. Guys, guys, we can't sing Michael Jackson anymore. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Did something happen? (laughs) And we're in Ariel's tiny living room later. Ariel chants as Dee Dee walks in with a cupcake. You want one? You know I'm trying to stay off sugar, but, you know, one can't hurt. Look, I was thinking that we should try reuniting. I admit tonight was fun, but I don't want to put myself in a toxic situation just because Kat is in trouble. It is always about her. What about me? I'm her sister. Why do you think I quit the band 20 years ago? And didn't go to Kat's really fun wedding where I was guaranteed to hook up with Robert Plant. Because of you. (gasps) I didn't know Robert Plant was going to be there. He really had a thing for you. Yeah, I know. He could have been my last hurrah before I got married. Instead, it was the other guy from Wham. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd never ask you to do this for Kat. I'm asking you to do this for me. I need to feel like a rock star again. And you need to move on. Look, I'm not saying what Kat did was right. But it would be a shame if after all these years you let it get in the way of people hearing your music again. And sweetheart, Ben was a real cocksucker. Everything was so much easier in my yurt. I only got mad once in five years and it was at a donkey. And he really deserved it. He shit right in front of my doorstep. Oh, it's just so much harder with real people. I know, sweetie. Just promise me she doesn't get to be the boss. She already gets to be the looks. I mean, you know, if you like that sort of thing. I promise. 
and we're in Dee Dee and Greg's bedroom later. Greg comes to bed to find Dee Dee asleep. He sees a note and climbs on top of her, waking her up. What are you doing? I uh, got your note. That was your note from two nights ago. (laughs) And it was in the trash. Whoops. It's okay. I need to talk anyway. Oh, good. (laughs) Love it. I know you didn't support the band getting back together. What? Yes, I did. Come on, Greg. Don't insult us both. Okay, I thought it was fucking nuts to get mixed up with those women again. And you might be right, but Alan got us a gig, and I want to do it. Okay. Oh, and I gave Carlton to Sharon. Her rat died. (laughs) (laughs) We're in Kat's recording studio. Dee Dee faces Ariel, Kat, and Sharon. So if we're going to do this, there need to be some ground rules. Sharon, you're clean and sober. Pot is legal now. Kat, Ariel, you guys aren't allowed to discuss anything that happened before the year 2000. And Sharon, you can never hit on my son. Why do I have twice as many rules? (laughs) (laughs) You're twice as crazy. (laughs) And we're in Dee Dee's Honda Odyssey. Kat and Ariel help Sharon load her drums into the back of Dee Dee's van. You guys, the wildest thing just happened. I walked by someone who was smoking pot, and he exhaled right into my face. (laughs) So if I smell like pot, that's why. For exterior county fair, they pile out of the van and take in the surroundings. Sad-looking animals and lame rides. Above, Above a makeshift stage, a crappy sign reads, Tonight, scandal. And then, in teeny tiny letters, opening act, Gigi's pants. Where the hell are we? I'm not playing this shithole. It shows us we have to. Dee Dee looks at the rides. Oh, I wish Greg didn't have to work. He loves the zipper. <laughs> Alan approaches. Hey, rock stars. Welcome to the Antelope Valley Fair. What the fuck shit kind of gig is this? Well, slow down. It's a stepping oh, stone. Stepping stone? You promised us a world tour and we're in Asshole Valley. Antelope Valley. Not even headlining. I am so mad. I could just... Sharon grabs Alan by the shirt collar and starts aggressively kissing him. <laughs> Dee Dee and Kat have to separate them. You, you just burped in my mouth. <laughs> Who's ready to rock? Sharon struts towards the stage. Ariel trots after her. I am. Kat notices Dee Dee's outfit. Why are you wearing Shape Up Skechers? Where are your new boots? I want to be comfortable. Don't take this the wrong way, but if our fans stop wanting to have sex with us, we're dead. The camera finds a cluster of men who are waiting with anticipation. OMG Gigi's pants! I wore that jacket when I was Cat for Halloween! Unbeknownst to Gigi's pants, this is their new fan base. At the county fair, they stand around the van looking at the equipment. Uh, don't we have roadies? How are we supposed to load this stuff on stage? And who am I supposed to have sex with later? Maybe Scandals guys can help. I'm late for another gig. Good luck. He jumps into his convertible BMW 3 Series and leaves. Later at the county fair, Patty Smythe, the lead singer of Scandal, helps the girls lift a drum from the back of the minivan. Where are your roadies? They entered the pie-eating contest. (laughs) That's sexy. Greg pulls up with Hudson, Dylan, and Jake. I heard Gigi's pants is playing here. Thank God you came. Can you help us unload our equipment? Of course. Oh, zipper. I'll be back in (laughs) ten. We're now exterior Warner Brothers studio at the guard gate. Alan waves to the guard and cruises through the gate. Alan talks to Mitch. I don't think they understand how much the business has changed. I worked really hard to get them that gig. That's a really popular fare. That's the one that invented the deep-fried Twinkie. He parks in front of a stage door, gets out, then reaches back in to get a giant cardboard tray of Starbucks drinks. The Chiron reads, Alan Gans, band manager slash 
PA, Young Sheldon. <laughs> Alan enters and distributes the coffees to the producers. We see a cranky writer take a sip. Oh, this is cold. The cranky writer throws it in the trash. We're at the county fair on the stage. The crowd is small but enthusiastic. The girls have a blast as they wrap up their one hit, Sex Burn, from the top of the show. Thank you, Antelope Valley! The crowd cheers and the girls are elated. We're in Dee Dee's Honda Odyssey. Dee Dee drives the tired but happy band home. Hey, we forgot to get paid. Somebody write that down for next time. <laughs> and we fade out, end of show. We interrupt the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. I'm here with... Jen Crittenden and Gabby Allen. Hi. <laughs> so tell us who's who so people know which voice is which. This is Gabby. Gabby has the great voice. This is Jen. I have sort of a childish voice. That's, just not, That's not true. true. Okay. All right. Well, not true. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. That's Jen. I'm going to talk like this. <laughs> That'll be good. Yeah. We need to know who's who. Okay. Um, thanks so much for being here. I'm going to start by telling you uh, my favorite joke from the script. Oh, great. Um, but it was hard to decide. I think it was when Ariel finally bursts out that Kat slept with her husband, and then Mitch says, Jackpot. Because <laughs> so, you'd sort of forgotten about him and, and in a way forgotten yeah. that here's a documentary filmmaker who wants the documentary <laughs> to you know have great stuff. And just at that moment that he's finally getting the like, infighting that he was looking for. I'm so happy love, like that. I, that I feel moment. like you completely got it. I yeah. feel like <laughs> this was has been the most validating experience yeah. doing this with you. Because you really, like, I think everything that you've said you appreciate about the script makes me so happy. It was like, yes, we wrote it for a reason. Somebody's going to think it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other, I mean, there's two other, there's two other things. One's just when Alan is revealed as being a PA. And, you know, you know, Sheldon, it's such an L.A. thing that people might not get that that is completely realistic to me. This guy might be out like managing, bands, right. and, but he's also just a production assistant during his job. I just know so many yeah. people. And like he can are, lease a fancy car. Like yes. you don't right. need to. You don't know where he lives. Yeah, he you know, this is very in, L.A. Yeah, he lives in a he dump. He can run he, some tiny yeah, little Yeah, yeah. but he can was, present a whole, yeah. Yeah, it was so absolutely realistic and perfect and that he just goes and is just getting and also the writer just complaining about his coffee being right. lukewarm um, and, <laughs> and then the other that. joke that just I need to give props because the audience missed it which was that Kat's line of milk is called cat milk <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it didn't work and I feel like the audience just didn't catch that it's cat milk like it's about um, I yeah I went home and I was like I was like explaining to Bill like well and I guess I don't know I always thought it was kind of funny that it was called cat milk and um, 
he thought it was funny too. And then I was like, well, I guess. No, the, I don't know. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't and know. it shouldn't be a joke that you need to see on paper. But it's, maybe they didn't know that was her name, name and she said it too fast. Or I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe they were laughing about the previous joke so much, so much right, that right. they couldn't missed. Reset they couldn't read exactly. Always the answer. That's yeah, what I that's think. That's what my mom was. thinks. Anyway, I was, <laughs> yeah. It was one of those where I, I wanted to like stop and go like cat milk, guys. Like, <laughs> It's called, it's called cat milk. Um, how, let's talk about how this just came about. Um, what was the inspiration for doing a show about a band like this? We read, well, we had a deal at ABC, right? When you had a deal at ABC and we needed to give them ideas. And so we were thinking of ideas and we read yeah. that book, Girls Like Us, was that yeah. what it's called? So yeah. it was... Um, uh, about um, Carly Simon, Carol King, and um, Joni Mitchell, and and we just we, always thought, you know, '80s girl band. We had to change it to '90s because but yeah, '80s girl band. Are, we were yeah. obsessed with so. And then we went oh, to a Go Go's concert. That's what it was. We, we went, went to a Go Go's reunion yes. concert at the Greek. Yeah, at the Greek. It was at the Greek. Okay, no, it was Greek. I went to the one at the Hollywood Bowl, but I've heard the one at the Greek was the one at the Greek was probably around when you were doing. Yeah, yes. probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a better memory, so it must have been the Greek. But uh, the best part was, oh shit, I forget which whoever whoever the drummer was, basically came out in full sweatpants just like she does not give a shit anymore just black sweatpants and probably like cat sketchers hair on it. and yeah. just like couldn't have been more comfortable and like not used to being out it was like her whole foods grocery bags like we're on the like she'd left it's it it like she yeah. just come from there yeah. Gina right Gina Shock was probably. she the drummer like, she was the drummer but because when then when I saw her the bull she was not there oh because oh, she, so left. she left right. but I don't know if that was oh just well, maybe that's why she was wearing sweats or she sweats. was just sick or I don't know what but I don't know her sweatsuit was in the wash <laughs> so she couldn't yeah. make some show. yeah but we just loved her like don't give a shit kind of vibe and it was just so funny because then Belinda Carlisle was so ready to be on stage mm-hmm. like this is what she'd been waiting for you know and the rest of the band had varying levels of enthusiasm and it just seemed really really funny so and they were still so great like yeah. they sounded so good and it just made us wonder like what's been going on behind the scenes from you know between then and now mm-hmm. and the dynamics and we had heard some things that had happened but so we were sort of filling in the blanks and right and then you your research um was i think we talked about that you talked to some women oh, right. who had been in female rock bands maybe not all right. female rock bands right um yeah, your Nina, friend, Nina and Ann Previn. So Nina yeah. from Veruca Salt. Yeah, she gave us great stories. Yeah. Swap. Yeah. yeah. And and Nina gave us great stories. And I finally remembered what it was. I think it's called the Legacy Cruise, where oh, that's it's like when get. you go on a cruise ship as a rock band from a previous generation. And like so uh, it's sort of okay. like rock bands of the eighties. I think she called it I think it was called a legacy, legacy cruise. Secret, yeah. yeah. So she had great stories. So and she had been on Veruca Salt had been on one of those like nineties. I'm not sure she did it or not. I, she might have been just telling stories about people sh- other musicians yeah, she knows I think, who had I think her husband who was in Tonic may have done a legacy. Oh, yes. okay. oh maybe oh, that's okay. what it was. Yeah. Her husband did it. And she had shared with us some backstory that was not exactly our pilot, but yeah, wasn't dissimilar to some stuff. So that was so, like a big fan moment for me, though, yeah. because I love that band and she's so cool and she's still like gorgeous and funny and like so nice. And and yeah. th- and that was part of like the injustice of like 
why aren't these women still in a band like commanding giant stadiums and like they're so good and but, but now they're moms and they're dealing with all that like you know they have to bring the cupcakes for the bake sale and right. so we were also sort of obsessed with the idea that these like when we sat down to talk to Nina she was cool and down to earth and she was a parent and she was friends with Aunt. you know it was yeah. just like she could have been anybody but yet she'd been on you know uh, this rock star and um and dealing with a lot of the issues and you know stupid day to day stuff that we have to deal with, like, mm-hmm. I just felt like she shouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah. She's you know right. some fruit yeah. assault. Like yeah. she shouldn't have to get the cupcakes for the. And so right. the idea that this rock star was like you know driving the minivan and dealing with these kids and that yeah. sort of yeah, made it us seems laugh, like the moment idea. in the pilot that's kind of what it's really all about is that flashback to her kids when they were little, her boys yeah. were little, just like treating her like a rock star, mm-hmm. and then now that's. Over, yeah, yeah, that status and, anymore, yeah, 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 yeah um, that it was fulfilling when her kids that she was able to sort of transition out of being a rock star when her kids treated her like that, but then when they stopped, it was sad, yeah, yeah. So, there were real it. stories that you got that that are are there real stories that are in the pilot that you got from any of this research? We can't say. Can't say. <laughs> Okay. But um, yes, no, but we, we definitely no, no, we didn't get any real stories. We got areas from different people of different kinds of things that had gone on, and we just kind of what the dynamics were, di- like. certain dynamics and 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 conflicts that certain band members had with each other, and then we created our own from there. You know, there are different versions, but no one gave us that exact backstory. Right. You know, we just created that from yeah. like different. Because yeah, it seems like, bits. yeah, I mean, the the bit, the Girls Like Us book is a whole different, I mean, those are real different solo yeah. performers. Yeah, they too. never yeah. worked it. Like, that was totally different. I think it was the, just the vibe got and yeah. just got us. Female musicians mm-hmm. in that area. And, um, yeah, and what it's like to be a woman and a rock star. And it just, yeah, it just sort of was inspiring, but it certainly didn't have, I mean, yeah, they weren't a band and it didn't have anything to do with being in a band. But Right. So you had this idea and you, t- you talked to the studio about it. Yeah. And they... They seemed liked, excited. Liked the area. <laughs> yeah. They liked the area yeah. and they said, yeah, go for it. So we... Yeah. We wrote, wrote it, it and then I think it was probably one of those things then you handed in there like, we love the world. I'm like, what does that mean? So you wrote it. You didn't go out and pitch it. You you wrote. Did you sell? Oh no, I think we, we had to pitch it, it to yeah. the network. So you, yeah. So you, but you just yeah. pitched it to just. I think ABC we just network. ABC. Yeah, we were at it under a deal, so we yeah. just pitched it's it to ABC. ABC they bought it. Yeah. Did we you remember wrote. much about the pitch? Did you have? Um, did we do anything for that pitch? I don't think we did. No, because there was one pitch we had to make dolls and stuff. One pitch, (laughs) they felt like, the studio felt like there were too many characters to keep track of. So uh, we got Barbie dolls and we made big celebrity heads for the Barbie dolls and had them be the people. And we had to lift, like we were doing a puppet show. And it felt felt so condescending, yet it worked. It worked. worked. They bought it. They wrote that. Sure. Yeah, and they didn't get confused about who was who. No, they understood. But it wasn't even that many characters I don't know whatever but it was actually kind of fun those dolls were fun yeah, they were funny. it was just weird because fun. we had never had to do that before like a little bit of a show yeah no and um, I just wondered with this one because you have this band of four women mm-hmm. and whether like a visual aid of think you know that 
probably would have been good to do, but we didn't. We were just like female Spinal Tap with an 80s band, and then we went into our thing. So, yeah. I mean, okay. Spinal Tap was the biggest inspiration that we have yeah. not mentioned yeah. yet. So, yeah, that was... So. That was why the mockumentary yeah. form. And we just thought it would be fun to have, yeah, to have an outsider kind of pushing pushing them, because normally they would just be separate for the rest of their lives, probably. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of... that was Okay, so you sold it to ABC, mm-hmm. and... Wrote it, and then and so the response was, "We love the world." It's <laughs> <laughs> never what you want to hear. Well, I think some. I it was one of those ones, and I know everyone's experienced this. Where you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. You keep hearing, "It's good, it's good, it's good." You're in the mix, you're in the mix, you're in the mix. Uh, yeah. like, they had us meet directors. They had us meet actresses that they had deals with. Yeah, it looked like it was all moving in the right direction, and then they were sort of, I guess, deciding between two things. But picking up other things along the way, but right. continuing the door. Your show, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. Yeah. And then, like, at the last minute, picked up that other thing and not ours. And then what I remember most about it that I, that was heartbreaking was that then, so then we had a whole other year on our deal. And oh, yeah. we went to um, lunch with Paul Lee. Who was the head. Who was, who had... Who who seemed to really like it and was quoting lines from it and stuff. He really loved um, Sharon's rat. Right. Um, <laughs> but so at lunch, and then he kept saying, and it was like he was dangling. He kept saying, "Oh, I was told I can't pick it up at lunch. I can't pick it up." But I really love that show. And we were like, like we really thought the lunch was about that he was gonna the next like pick it yeah. up for that, the season. And this was after. This, this was, was after. after he passed on it. Then he kept bringing it up. He brought it up at this lunch afterwards. Like, oh, that was the one that got away. Like, I could, yeah. Because we had heard that, that or not heard it, actually had it. It happened with another show that they didn't pick up for that season, but they picked, picked it up, up for the next. And with people mm-hmm. who were on a deal, and they just rolled right. it over to the next season. Um, so we were like, oh, is this what's it? And then no. And no, then no. it was just so, a lunch. And then, <laughs> just like just a lunch. Just a shitty just lunch Just sushi in and Glendale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, that was that. And then it was, and then... And then you called. <laughs> and then five yeah. years later, yeah. whatever, what, yeah. 10 years ten, later? Yeah. Whatever. A long it wasn't time. That long. It was, that? yeah, it was 2011. It was a long wow. time. Yeah, oh, yeah, 2011. We okay. wrote that pilot. But yeah. Look, it doesn't yeah. age. Look, it doesn't. No. It doesn't. You really didn't have to. Yeah, it was just the much. young Sheldon. Yeah, yeah the young Sheldon, yeah, which was, was two and a half men. And then I think you added yeah. one line. About when they were singing PYT, just oh that, yeah, that, oh, which yeah. you made into a great joke. Which yeah. is like, I don't think we can sing Michael Jackson anymore. And Sharon's like, Why? Does yeah. that happen? <laughs> yeah, um, that was Gabby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a great joke. Yeah, um, but other than that, because I was... still sometimes quietly listen to Michael yeah, Jackson well, by myself when nobody's course. listening, even though I watch that documentary. I justify yeah. that like little Michael Jackson is okay to listen to. <laughs> so Jackson just said, Five. Just, just I want you back. Like, yep. just over like, and over. ABC. Okay, ABC. Over. <laughs> um yeah, it's 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 a timeless it's a timeless. <laughs> it's timeless. Script. But you know that Greenstein one, sorry, this isn't timely for the <laughs> podcast, but that was was even older and that was so fucking good. It was good. really good. Oh god, I yeah. love that pilot. That was great. Yeah, like, I don't know what order I'm releasing these, so maybe that people have, may have already heard that, or maybe oh. you have that to look forward to. Oh, um, yeah. okay. oh it's really good. We'll we'll see. Mm. Uh, I think it may they may have actually they may have heard it already. What were you thinking? Did you do you have a lot of like story engines sort of going forward if it had gone to uh, to series? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, we wanted to do a whole season on the Legacy Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We didn't we think did. it was a Legacy. Oh, yeah, would be great, and everyone gets and they're stuck or whatever, there, but, um, and they can't get off the boat. That, just being with all those other yeah, bands wouldn't that be great? Would be so great. Yeah. Yeah. Be so funny. Yeah, those bands. Yeah, um, and we also thought about maybe Sharon getting sober, but not doing. What else did we think? What about we had a bunch of stuff. yeah, Sharon gets sober and what that would look like, and. Um, and I think some going um, Dee Dee and her marriage maybe was on the rocks for a minute just because it was hard to navigate, right? The, you know, mm-hmm. marriage and motherhood with mm-hmm. the rock stardom and the travel that she'd have to do. And what about uh, Mitch? Like, what about the documentary maker? Like, how because well, it's unusual he, in a way because yeah. he's not an unseen, not it's not right, the office, right. the modern family where you're oh, not we did. Right. We Mitch and Ariel. Oh, yeah, we wanted them affair. to have an affair, yeah, yeah. so and she that, could get more screen time, yeah. <laughs> and and right, he yeah. would like he would be hoping that it could be like instead of just a much music video or whatever, I mean, just, right, the, he, just yeah. the, the one the half hour thing, he wanted it to be a full movie, so he has he's like really invested in churning things up, and yeah. So so then we thought that she would have a thing with him. That would be fun. Yeah, that's actually great. Just to have the shit stirring. Yeah. Maker yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Whenever they do start to get along. Like, yeah. yeah throwing in things the in there. there. Yeah. Totally. Throws that the, quiet little bomb. Because the thing them. with him and Ariel was like, who's pushing this forward? Like they would yeah. both be trying to make it happen because he they wants both had a drama. An agenda. Yeah. He, she wants screen time. And yeah, so. That would have been fun. And she really obviously wanted to usurp Kat and being the star right. of it, you know, so she felt there was always going to be and the tension yeah. there. How were you going to handle the music going forward? Because you have yeah. the video, you have the one song we hear. Right, right. And then you sort of <laughs> skip over the performances. Well, at the time, we thought that that's how we would handle it, is always something happens so Mitch can't quite record the performance <laughs> or, you know, So we don't really wrong, see a lot so of them performing. we never had to see music. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, now there's so much, there's so many, like, musical things out there it might be actually doable to get a song every once in a while which would be kind of fun to see them perform yeah we were going to ask like Anne to maybe write you know mm-hmm. yeah. to write a song or so yeah um, but our plan was for, for week to week would just be to sort of ignore it like, like we did want to have their one hit like in well, the sex burn sex burn yeah we wanted to yeah. have sex burn the video yeah. that you that introduces yeah. them because sure. that would so, be fun yeah like so we were gonna um we were going to ask somebody to write Sex Burn. Yeah. And we sort of wanted to handle a little bit, like we were also huge fans of Flight of the Concord and we just loved how funny their songs were. Obviously their songs wouldn't be comedic because they were they would have had to have been hits in the right. 90s, but just with a you know something that could be sort of borderline silly that still could get away with being a hit. Mm-hmm. We were trying to find something comedic. Also, we thought it would be funny if they started writing new music, but it was all based on their current lives. So it was sort of like... like so middle-aged. Yeah, 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 middle-aged dramas as opposed to like the sexy rock and roll dramas. But yeah. just about like what even cream that's to fun, use. just being in that kind of band where no one really wants to hear those new songs. You right, know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's waiting to hear Sex they, Burn. Right, yeah, they exactly. want the hits. Just play the yeah. hits, just the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, just the chorus. <laughs> Yeah, no. That's what mm-hmm. I mean, when I did see the Go Go's at the Bowl. I did when they played. We got the beat. I just felt like this. It was so sort of lackluster, and yeah, I just was yeah. sensing from them. Like, yeah, man, some of the songs that seemed like they were excited to play, right, and that right. one they just were like, oh, yeah. we guess we got to do it. Right, yeah. right. Um, and I instantly and think, how many times have they played that, times? and how hard is it for them to just do it? I know, and it's like it's over. such an anthem for all of us and for them. It's, it's like an albatross. It's, a, yeah, it's like yeah, it's, it's just, a burden. Yeah, totally. I know. And that now that I, I, you know, through my kids or I'm friends with a few people who were 
in these 90s bands yeah. that have often have that song that they're right. expected to play yeah. oh, all it's so the time hard. and get to hear, and it really is tough um, yeah. to just know that's all they want a lot of them are just still you know you're making new music and you know they, people just want to hear that song i also at that show there was a guy it was so great he during we got the beat this guy in front of me was clapping so off the beat <laughs> <laughs> So did not have to be and we're all there. Yeah. Kids, and we're piece? all like watching this guy and how off the beat he is during We Got the Beat and it was just the Oh, greatest. that's fantastic. It was the greatest thing. Oh, um, I wish he was doing that on purpose. Well, those are all those all feel like good places that this could have gone. I know. <laughs> yeah, that um, it would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just yeah. make it harder when you actually have good ideas for what yeah. to do if it went. Yeah. As opposed to there are some where it's just like, well, if it had gone, I would have absolutely I no been idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this, this was really just a pilot that's kind right. of really a movie and it had nowhere to go. And so. Phew. Yeah. No, this one, we definitely had and stories. And the characters, and I can tell them. you love the characters. Yeah, yeah. we did love the characters. And we did try and we and we did actually write an outline to make it for cable because it certainly could be raunchier yeah. and edgier. Mm-hmm. And then we did have some really funny, it, we switched it up a little bit, which was interesting. And I just remember there was one scene that we really wanted to write where I think one, oh, it wasn't that their manager died. It was that a band member died. Mm. And so they came together, right? And then yeah. she like, Ariel did a bunch of drugs and then she appeared to her as a ghost, like out of Joshua Tree. <laughs> She was playing like she was ghost guitarist and like playing guitar. And there was this crazy scene in Joshua Tree where that happened. And that would have been really fun to write, too. But then then we didn't. Nothing happened with that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I didn't I don't think I knew. I think you told me who you had sold it to. And I wasn't sure whether this was a cable or I mean, it felt edgy for a network show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was ABC. And then what? Yeah. we, We wanted to do it as cable. And then that just didn't. Was that one of the pitches we had where somebody fell asleep? <laughs> yeah. I think no. it was. Oh, no. Wait, wait. The question was, who's she fucking? That was a different pitch. Okay. Uh, but we pitched two things. We did. We pitched this to them. We did. Yeah. And and he and someone fell Some asleep. Fl- Literally, the well, there were three executives in the meeting, and one of them fell asleep. One took a nap. And every writer we tell can guess who that is, but I guess we shouldn't say We're it. We're not going to we'll say. We'll tell you after. You probably <laughs> yeah. shouldn't say it. <laughs> yeah. We won't someone say. Someone still in yeah, that position. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But they took a small nap. But it, it wasn't the point person. But no, it, it wasn't. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't, but it wasn't the, point the person with the clipboard, but, like, taking the, the notes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was. It was a really junior person. It was Yeah, it was the middle. Yeah. And guess what? Spoiler alert. We didn't sell it there. <laughs> they didn't buy it. So you're both very aware as you're pitching that that he's asleep. That he's asleep. Oh, and we're looking, yeah. making on eye contact with the other people, like should sort should of like, wait question, like and then just yeah. we just plowed through and pretended yeah. that it wasn't happening. Yeah. And, and in retrospect, do you think that was? Would you, if you had to do it over again, <laughs> would you do it differently? Would you say, would "Hey, you wake can, you, up? can you fucking wake up?" Like, where? You know? There is a part of me that wants to be able to stand up and say, "He's asleep. You guys aren't into this. Yeah. Let's just, just call let's it a day. I'm call hungry. It. Can we yeah. just no hard feelings? But let's just call it like that. Would have been nice. That would have been a good way to do it. Can we just, way, go, it can just, we just does feel like this? you guys are such accomplished writers, and you are in there doing that. It, it's wrong that that's that that's okay and that yeah. you feel like well we can't say anything or do anything about the, yeah. the the huge disrespect that is being shown to us right now but also for them like are they embarrassed that their colleague is asleep because and i know it's got to be hard to sit in here pitches oh, yeah. all day and especially yeah. when you know you're not going to buy it which at some point he must have decided before he nodded off like this isn't for us <laughs> but, but 
But so I do feel like I couldn't sit all day listening to people pitch and seeing their anxiety and all <laughs> like I wouldn't love that job and it would be hard. But um, you also haven't chosen to do that job. Right. right. So it's true. Um, true. I don't know. I feel like yeah. staying awake is just a bare minimum. <laughs> that's, that's a low uh, bar. It's a bare minimum. I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. Uh, so you guys were both had your careers, you know, before you teamed up. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. And obviously, most of the listeners are not going to know. So um, what? <laughs> When did you t- team up? How did this partnership come about? Um, we had separate careers in TV, and then um, we were we both had little kids. We knew each other sort of tangent peripherally. I worked with um, Bill's Jen's husband's best friend, and so we got to know each other a little bit socially because of that. And then um, we both had little kids right around the same time. We were both on staff and doing those crazy hours, and we ran into each other at a mutual friend's birthday party and I got a little drunk. She was drunk too. I, oh, we I, were sh- I showed drunk. up drunk. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, were we, both we, 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 we had a great time. It was fun. Yeah. And then I propositioned her. I think I remember driving home and talking to Rob like in a little bit of a drunken stupor. Like, Jen's hilarious. I should ask her. And so I think I emailed you. Yeah, you said, emailed me. Do you want to write movies together? And I was like, yes, please. Yeah. Do you have ideas? So where were you both in your careers at that moment? Were, I were you was, on a show? I Jen? was on a show. Yeah. I was working on New Adventures of Old Christine, which was actually a great show to be on. But I knew my next job wouldn't have those great hours. I knew that the next job would be like one of the ones I had had before, where I was there till two in the morning, not getting to say goodnight to my kids. So, right. and I, it's because Carrie Lizer, who ran that show, had she had kids and she had kids. kids. Her kids were a little bit older, so it wasn't like she had to get home to them. She's just a really good showrunner, and she kind of knew what she wanted, and she made her decisions, and then you know, and she was respectful of the of the writer's time too. So she wouldn't have us wait in the room while she did editing. She'd do that after we left, and you know, it was just a really she's a really good showrunner. So. Um, and and Julia was also, you know, you could give her a mediocre line and it would be hilarious. And Carrie knew that. And she's like, we're good. Right. <laughs> so, um, and, so and where were you, Gabby? I was on Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. And I had a similar situation with with Bill. Bill Lawrence. Lawrence, where he was really great to me because I I um I had my first baby on staff not in the room <laughs> Bill delivered my baby no um, you're in a hospital yeah we're in a hospital no yeah that was true we were in a hospital um, and he was great and he let me come part time and I would nurse at lunch and he was awesome but like Jen said I knew that my next job was not you know I'd already been there a few years so I had established myself so um, but I knew it was going to be harder to to find that situation right. where I could like stand up and leave at five or you know yeah. to get home it was not going to so, um, but the partnership yeah. originally the idea was to write, to write movies yeah. so we could set our own hours. So we thought, okay, we'll do that. So, so we worked sort of on off hours. We wrote a spec. Um, and then basically, and then, when did we yeah. then we quit and we just did features full time? And yeah, for a few we made years. a movie, it was really fun, didn't turn out great, but it was super fun. That was yeah. that was what's your number. Um, and it was a, it was a great experience. And, Almost everything about it was great, except for the when end result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, and then, but it was great because we worked together and we had so much fun that then we decided, okay, features are actually not great for us as writers. We don't have any control or say or power over anything except our hours. And so then we decided to go back on staff, but do it together. So then we went, um, we consulted on divorce and we went to New York for a while and then we did Veep. 
And you did Veep for... Two seasons. Two seasons. Which was a longer period of time than two seasons because of the the hiatus in the middle. But that was really fun. And I'm so glad that we were together doing that because that that was an amazing show to work on. But, you know, really tough hours and stuff. So it was good to be together. Um, And you also obviously wrote some pilots. Oh, yeah. And and, and lots of pilots. So Mm -hmm. and the pilots were before. That was before, before divorce. divorce. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We were just okay. generating pilots. We were pilot machines. And then we were like, let's go on staff somewhere and like shake things up. So, well, let's get something produced. Also. <laughs> like, that'd be fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Remember when you could watch your work get produced? That was fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I think that was part of it too. After writing a couple of pilots that didn't get produced, like, let's write something that does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then for that to happen, we had to go on somebody else's show <laughs> <laughs> that was already being produced. Right. Yeah, but um, um, had you, Jen, had you sold pilots just solo? Yeah, you had. Yeah. Right? Oh, I've got dead pilots just all myself. Just yeah, all yeah. Your own. <laughs> uh-huh. And Gabby, it, I had you, made yeah made a pilot by myself, and I supervised a pilot by myself before we mm-hmm. teamed up. Or we were already whatever doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Was it so when you were pitching these pilots together and writing, you know, oh, how different? So was much that? more fun. Yeah. So much more fun. Oh, it's so much more fun. Because <laughs> I really don't like the pitching process at all. But when you can kind of trade off and you know we work we, off someone, we kind of plan our spontaneity and you know try it. It just it's it's just so much better to be in there with someone else that you can kind of look at afterwards and be like that was terrible. Oh, you know, yeah, or if you're whatever. Just there by yourself and it's, someone falls asleep. It's just, oh, yeah. it's, right because no. yeah. you just feel like you're horrible. You don't have someone else. Right. Like, was that the most fucked up thing? Like it's yeah. just you. Yeah. It's like parents. Exactly. You want to be able yeah. to go like, yeah. you know, you have to be able to like, yeah, you know, bounce. And it off even and just it. after meetings, like we had one notes meeting where we oh. both left, and then we just automatically pulled to the side of the road, got out of our cars, hugged each other, and cried. <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was really brutal. brutal. But yeah. had I done that alone, I might not have continued writing. Like it's just yeah. so. Some of that's it's so, true. Like a lot of there have been a couple of situations that were so bad that we were able to pull ourselves out of, and then actually persevere because mm-hmm. we had each other. I don't think I, I think both yeah. of like if I had been alone I would have just given up and not and not tried again or and then the things that actually really turned out well that I might have yeah. not bailed pursued on. or I might have bailed mm-hmm. on if I were alone so that's um, and also just the idea of running a show seems impossible by yourself I mean I've seen people do it but um, when I had the opportunity to produce a pilot by myself and I didn't have a non-writing exec producer like back then there weren't as many pods you know it was just I was like literally by myself just eating chocolate mm-hmm. cake alone, <laughs> yeah. like leading, running a writer's room with no producer and yeah. it was crazy it seems daunting it was a lot of work to do a good job at it yeah so it is impossible and that was just yeah. one week and I was like right. I had to do this every week by myself yeah. I mean you'd have a staff obviously but right. so I just thought if we we're gonna get you know our goal was to try and get a show going and that it would be it's not our goal anymore we're just happy with this <laughs> yeah this is fine we just want to keep doing our dead pilots with you yeah <laughs> this meaning this you yeah, yeah. literally right here talking yeah just here. and we're okay. waiting for a check which White is weird because it hasn't come <laughs> yeah. and we're worried that we're not going to get paid yeah. uh, no it's okay and that goes for all of you other dead pilot <laughs> checks um, in the mail coming. Um, how quickly did you know once you started once you teamed up that it was going to work 
I feel like pretty quickly, like yeah. we really make each other laugh. And right. the things that we find fun, like we we just have a very similar sense of humor. Like everything I find funny, Jen finds funny. Yeah. It's rare that we don't laugh at the same things. And like off, sometimes when we're under the gun, deadline wise, we have to, we, we normally write everything together, but when we're under the gun, we'll split scenes up and we'll write separately. And every time I get Jen's scenes, I'm laughing out loud. And I just think like, that's a good, it's really fun. Sign. She's it's, much funnier. Yeah. And it's so but, great to be able to put my name on her jokes and stuff. <laughs> I love it. Right. And just have half of it done. Yeah, I only yeah. have to write half It's really fun it's that everybody yeah. thinks I wrote now on Seinfeld and Rested <laughs> Development and The Simpsons and Everybody Loves Raymond. And, that's um, you know, right. I'm fine with that. That's uh, really writing her coattails. Um, I didn't work on those any of those shows Budget. for yeah. Yeah. listeners. Jen did, Jen did before yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we knew pretty quickly because we yeah. really because we it really flowed. Knew. It was just yeah. easy. It flowed. Yeah, I was always so scared to um, show stuff to somebody before it was done. I thought I would never have a writing partner. But there was something about starting in features that I felt less precious about, less like mm-hmm. worried. It was sort of like, well, I've never done this before, and neither of you. So let's just try it. And so it was much easier to sort of just be vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah. and share. Whereas if we had joined as a as a TV writing team, I think I would have been like really protective of like, well, this is how I do it. And, you mm-hmm. know, like I would have been a little bit more nervous to like share that process with somebody. Right. So. But you already, you did the movie thing for a while. And yeah. So you already got a good sort of Then we trusted dynamic. each other. Yeah. And like, I know that if, if, if she thinks it's good, at least it's, it's good enough for her. And I know if she doesn't like it, she'll tell me. And it's like, we have a level of trust now that's like. I could do. I could write any. We can't write anything separately. In fact, we just do emails together. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. she doesn't like something, I don't take it personally because I trust her judgment so much that if it's not making her laugh, then it's not going to go in. You know, unless I mean, once in a while there'll be something you want to stand behind. Obviously, if you're like really right. feeling like, can we just try it? You know, yeah. we'll say. So we always and is that kind know. of how you resolve those? Moments? Yeah, and it's sort yeah. of like whoever feels more passionate about it wins. Um, we just, I think that's sort of that when we have any sort of disagreement and on, on therapy dog, the thing that we were working on recently, an animated show that we hope goes, but who knows, um, we wrote it with Clea Duvall. So that was great. Cause yeah. we had like a little tiebreaker. So okay. it, like, yeah. I thought for sure we could never write with three people, but that was also really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And, and she fit nicely into like, we write really well together, the three yeah. of us and that really, it worked. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, for you, Gabby, you had a partner when, when yeah. you started writing. Was that, where, did you have... I you, started writing, when I started out, I started by myself, but I got, no, but then I had, I mean, I started, like, writing specs by myself at very first, but then I my first job was with a partner, um, my first and second job was... First and second jobs with partners, and then... Was that Jesse? Yeah, Jesse, Jesse was, was with Peter, and then... Um, um, then I wrote on my own after so then so when I was on Scrubs I was by myself right um, and then when but I but you had had experience in a partnership I had experience but Jen in a you yeah, had been had solo never, yeah. the whole time yeah and so it did seem like it's like the forty five year old bachelor trying to move in with someone <laughs> yeah. and just being yeah. so set in their ways that exactly. it's not going to work but it did yeah yeah and, and she I think was really open I think because it would be I think yeah because it was different it was for features I was thinking about it recently like how it was so easy because I am very much an old bachelor in a lot of ways <laughs> but um, yeah I think it was because we were both just trying something that's a new. really good point we were both so naive about the process we're like we literally were going through the um 
the breakdowns of the like open writing assignments and features. We didn't know how it worked. And I read this, like we were both reading it and we read this log and I'm like, that looks funny. And then we just (laughs) called our agent like, can we go in on this? And she's like, okay. And so then we went in and it was a long story, which I will spare you, but but we ended up getting that job. After, After having the most mortifying meeting of our lives. Like it was yeah, horrible because we didn't know how to pitch that. a movie. Oh, you want to hear about yeah, that? Yeah, I want to hear about that. Oh, meeting. I love hearing about mortifying meetings. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, the the most painful part about it is we didn't know how mortifying it was until afterwards. We left cocky. Yeah. So we went in. Yeah. We didn't know how to pitch a movie. We were just like a movie based the, on a book. Yeah. But yeah so. We read the book and we were like, okay, and we sort of plotted out the movie in our minds and we basically told it back to them, like how we would do the movie. And they're like, well, what's the midpoint? We're like, what? What's the midpoint? <laughs> like, I don't know. In the same place it is in the book. I don't know. And like, had they even read the book? Probably not. <laughs> so it was just, it was, and we were there for like an hour an and a half. I mean, it was the longest meeting because we were just, because probably because they couldn't understand what we were talking about. And you were just, you had to have been reading from yep. stuff because how yeah. could you? Yeah, we were reading, reading something yeah. really dry. And we thought the fact that we were in there for so long was a good sign. <laughs> so we. And everyone stayed awake. Everyone stayed awake. Everyone so just stayed awake. So we thought it went well. Yeah. So we left the meeting. Um, we, I think we had lunch and went shopping. Gabby bought two hats. I couldn't decide what so color good. and I was so cocky. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get both. So now my husband makes fun of me about two hats. Was it a two hat? Because it's a, it was a. So then we heard from our agent. Yeah, you didn't get it. And he doesn't. It's not going. It's further, not going to yeah. go. It's not going to happen. And not going further. It was just like it was the most initial meeting and we didn't even get to the next step. And we were like, OK, you, you just be honest with us. Tell us what happened because we've never done this before. And she basically told us that he didn't know what we were talking about. But then, you know, he was kind enough to get on the phone with us, actually, I think. Or her. Or she got it through him. Anyway, somebody was nice enough to actually, yeah. Explain explain to us what we did wrong. How how off base we were. Because had had we just not gotten the meeting, we probably would have done that at the next pitch. You know, like we didn't know. So this is when having a partner, I think, really saved me personally, because it was so mortifying to be so off base in a meeting. Like I would have never done features again. I would have just gone back to TV and done what I can do. And, um, but Gabby, and I would have never told anyone about this horrible thing, but Gabby actually talked to a friend who said, oh, I've had a similar experience. This, this, uh, pitch doctor helped me so we we met this woman Kristen Hange who's great at like she's kind of like a writing coach she's also a theater director she does a million Everything. things but she sort of walked us through what a pitch should look like and she was like it's all here it's just so mired underneath like hours of details you don't need <laughs> yeah and so she just helped us pull out what we did need yeah and then and so then we begged to go back to see those producers again wearing 17 hats <laughs> <laughs> Um, and 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 so we did a we did a whole new pitch. We started over. We apologized for the time that we wasted before, and and then we got the job. Hmm. So it was a it was a happy ending and an yeah. embarrassing story. No, it's a uh, great. It's kind of a great story because you weren't so proud that you weren't right willing to find someone who could help you. Yeah. Learn how to do this. Yeah, and I think it's also what Jen was saying before. It's like we were in it together. We didn't know what we were doing, so. We weren't, yeah, we weren't proud, but it also helped, I think, like, our, our partnership where we were both felt naive and vulnerable yeah, sure to this process. Yeah, bonding and, experience. Yeah. Has that, has your work with her, has it affected how you pitch TV shows going forward? Has, has any, of, any of those lessons apply? I think a little bit, yeah. Yeah, she's helped us with some TV stuff, but mostly, mostly movies, because we had... 
we had pitched a fair amount of TV before that. Yeah. I think, we, but yeah, but she's really helpful with movies. I think his movies are just like, for, for I guess for us, I mean, for everyone, it's obviously screenwriters would probably feel differently if they were pitching you know, a TV for the first time. But it just seems like such a bear. It's like, it's a lot of information. Yeah. You have and, to do so yeah. much work to get to what you want to pitch, but then you don't share all that work, which right, is yeah. what we didn't learn. You know, yeah. that that's what we needed to learn. It's like, you don't need to show all the steps to get from here to here to here. But if you're asked, then you'll have those answers, right. but you so certainly don't need like to It's like a tremendous them. amount of work that is just not shared with anyone and you have and to know the entire hard. story yeah. i mean as you know when you're pitching tv you're like really pitching a obviously I mean, you know i have to tell you but you're <laughs> pitching characters and you're pitching a bit you know it's 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 different it's a little more general you know yeah. i mean you want to know the pilot but that you know with a movie you have to break you have to know the entire Tire story thing. you mm-hmm. have to know all those moves and yeah whereas and in tv yeah. you often just know enough to pitch it right yeah or what's going to create stories in the future you know yeah. what that is but you don't have to have it all mapped out yeah yeah you know, unless they ask you and then you go and do all that work but in the initial pitch yeah, you don't you really need to know all like you need you is know a... the whole pile all the beats of the pilot when you're going in that, yeah you, you, if if, if that, if that. Yeah, I probably exactly. don't know all the beats of the pilot. Right, no. right. So just, I know what the characters are. I know kind of what story engines are. And, right. But you don't know. The, in some cases, maybe. Yeah. And when you pitched this, when you pitched, did I, you know all the, you think you I knew think all the beats did. of the pilot? I think we did. I think we knew the beats of the pilot for the most part. I mean, we knew we wanted them to reunite. Right. And that it was an origin. I mean, not an origin story, but I mean, it was a, it was more of a, um, a, re- a reunion story. Yeah, you had to get yeah. these people back together. We had to get so these people to back together. What their issues were exactly. Yeah, so. so I think we knew all their conflicts, um, but the, the I don't think we knew beat by beat. Yeah, we didn't know every beat, but yeah, we knew where it started and where it ended, and that there'd be a fight in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> At the midpoint. At the midpoint. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, do you have any sort of general thoughts about pitching pilots? Is there any Things that you always uh, think of to know that okay, we're ready to pitch. Have you do you pitch different ways, or is there a way you begin? Um, just for our listeners who may be looking for wisdom from people as experienced as you about this whole process. We usually start by making it as personal as we can. Now, some things are personal, so that's mm-hmm. easy, and some things are not. So you, um, sometimes it's a little contrived, so, but never, never contrived, never (laughs) contrived, but you, I think it helps to personalize it as much as you can and relate it to your own experience or just why, why why we are the best ones to write it. I feel like I've heard that somewhere and that really sticks in my head. Like we can pitch a great pilot, but here's why we're the ones who need to do the series because yeah, why we're passionate about it, why it's meaningful to us. Why? I don't know. And honestly, though, I still don't know if that matters. Like, that's what we do. And it seems to get people interested, but I don't know if that's why they pick things up or not. I think it does. I mean, it was interesting. I did this episode where I spoke to Jamila Hunter about this. I was asking her all these questions about how important is it you should listen about (laughs) how important is it that it be autobiographical. And and she said, you know, it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. literally autobiographical. What they are looking for is that passionate personal Mm -hmm. connection to it. Mm -hmm. 
not, oh, this actually happened to me, but right. whatever, if it's about butterfly collectors, if they want to know, I've been an obsessive butterfly collector my whole life, and that's why, I don't know, that's a weird example, but it's just there's it's, something about but it. But it's really interesting because yeah. I am an obsessive butterfly collector. <laughs> so there you collector. go. So, so you, did you know are the that? best person to Or are you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in this case, because you guys obviously were not in the bangles or something, right. but were you... But that that element of the the of Dee Dee and being a mom and that were you leaning well, into that kind of? I think we aspect were leaning lot? in with being obsessed with the Go Go's, basically right. like this shaped who we are, and then owning minivans and feeling like is this us now? You know, yeah. I think those were sort of the touch points for and us. And I do think. I mean, I definitely wanted to be a rock star at one point in my life, and I think a lot of people did. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people have that. A lot fame. of people wanted yeah. her to be a rock star. Yeah. So many saying. people, and I had to say, guys, I'm not going to be a rock star, and it was really disappointing for everybody. Um, no, I think people have that fantasy, and I think so. It taps into, and then you know, taps into that fantasy, and then dealing with the reality of what that is is when you get, you know, become middle aged and. Um, that's always a theme, like the relevance of like, I was this and now what am I? So yeah, that's right. always yeah, when my identity, very personal. Yeah, and identity is obviously something everybody can relate to and that we relate to. And so yeah. those are our ways of kind of um, tapping into that world without actually having been in a band. And just buying Nina Gordon dinner. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. our other way of tapping in. Yeah. yeah. Which we'd be happy to do anytime, Nina. Yeah. Please call us. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's... there. How you dealt with Dee Dee's story felt very much. I saw like, okay, that's you guys bringing yourselves to this story. Mm-hmm. Someone else might have leaned much more on. You know, obviously, there's sort of sex and drugs as part right. of this, but it's so much a story of I used to be a badass and I'm not, and I want that back. But I also want to be a great mom and I want to do all mm-hmm. these things. And, and that's something you know, all I think a lot of women. Can yeah. relate to, and I think that was why we wanted to tell it that way. Like one of the things that we that I didn't share, and we were telling you that what's your number pitch story, <laughs> was that when we got the call that it was not going to go forward after our first horrible pitch, I was getting out of probably some giant car, holding um, a baby and a toddler and leaking, <laughs> and <laughs> leaking milk. And so I'm like juggling bags and holding the phone and talking it to our agent. She's saying it's not going further. And then I looked around. I was like, who am I? Like I had a moment of who am I? I thought I was this because we had sort of taken a step away from TV and we were going to do this. And we were all excited about it and had it. And I was like, no, that's not part of the plan that no, that was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And it was and I remember like putting my bags down and putting the babies down for a nap and and then literally getting in bed and getting in the fetal position and just wanting to because I because it did mess with my identity. And I think that, that was one of the things that 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 we wanted to explore with Dee, Dee is like, you know, that that's something that all women or a lot of women can relate to no, yeah. matter, no matter what you do, you know, balancing sure career too, and motherhood. When, you're, when yeah. you're trying to be a good dad or whatever, it's like, yeah. well, am I just a dad guy now? I mean, I imagine it's for everybody. Yeah. It's being a parent is like throwing you out of whack with yeah. me. Yeah. You never, I mean, I don't know a lot of, well, I guess people do dream of being parents. That's true. But it's not, what do you want to do with your life is not usually parent. Well, it's because so many people have, 
kids later in life that mm-hmm. you have established an mm-hmm. identity that is not just a, mm-hmm. as a parent mm-hmm. and that right. you have and this complete have, shift right. exactly. now your identity is so much being a parent but you're like but mm-hmm. I used to be this other thing yeah. and how do I be both and exactly um, mm-hmm. exactly and that yeah. is why you know, why I think there's this isn't just a behind the music you know it's not mm-hmm. just spinal tap you know mm-hmm. the spinal tap yeah. as a mm-hmm. brilliant as it is doesn't mm-hmm. have layers it's not really a universal story. Everyone who's ever been in a band right. really relates right. to right. Spinal Tap right. because right. they've all gone down that weird hallway and not right. been able to find right. stage. Lost. Um, Hello, Cleveland. You know, and everyone I've talked to in a band is like, mm. stuff like that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. But just a normal civilian isn't relating to things right. know, in, in the same way as it is with this. So. So are you going to pick up the show? I think I'm going to, yeah. I'm oh. going to, look, well, let's go to lunch. Okay, okay. <laughs> Do you want to dangle it in front of Wait, us for like an hour and a half? away sushi? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Glendale, <laughs> what about Glendale sushi? It's not even where the good sushi is. Um, it was close to his office okay. and, you know. You should have known when you, you were in the Katsuya. <laughs> I know. You were like, this isn't going to go well. You're so yeah. right. That was <laughs> such so a naive. tell and we're, we had no on, idea. Uh, we're not on Ventura Boulevard, are we? No, yeah. <laughs> where are we? This, this isn't this happening. Is not a pickup one. No. It was a weird little place, but he'd obviously been there a lot. I know. We need to run things by you in the future, obviously. Obviously. All right. Well, it was so great doing this. I loved hearing it. We loved doing it. It It was so so fun. fun. I can't believe how much work you put into this. It's so amazing. (laughs) It's such, it's, it was so rewarding. Really fun. Thank you for asking us. Yeah. It was great to hear it out loud. It's great talking to you guys. You too. Thanks. Thanks. And that is it for our show for this month. The show is produced by myself and Ben Blacker and our associate producer, Noah Findling. Thanks to Enid and Dustin, everyone at the Writers Guild Foundation. Like I said before, will you just please subscribe to this podcast already? Uh, Come on. You don't want to miss an episode. And uh, if you could leave us a rating, that helps people, more people find this podcast. Uh, Follow us on the evil social media outlets, Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod, Instagram and Facebook at Dead Pilots Society. Uh, get your tickets. Go to Ticket Web. Search Dead Pilot Society. Get your tickets for the show this Saturday. Until next time, I am Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. <laughs>